Hey everyone, just a reminder that this is a mental health podcast, so some content discussed may be triggering for some. If you're not feeling up to it, hit pause, come back another day, we're not going anywhere. If it is an emergency, please don't hesitate to contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. That is a 24-hour service. Thank you. Turn up the talk podcast. Tackling mental health together. Trent Baldock, thanks for joining us on Turn Up The Talk, mate. How you going? No, good, mate. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'm good today. Today, not too bad. So you're a Bondi local, growing up around the eastern suburbs, and you're about to launch a kind of thing of your own, the endless story, and I guess the catchphrase is, what's your story? So what is your story, <laughs> you Trent? Yeah, you can't flip my, my, my thing back onto me. That's the whole reason I'm launching it, so I find their story. Yeah, well played. Good start. Um... Uh, so my story, um, I'm 34-year-old, born and bred Bondi boy, um, went to Waverley College, grew up surfing, skating in the local community. Um, I'm a carpenter by trade. I've um, been fortunate enough for 10 to 15 years of my my younger life to be able to travel the world playing, um, singing, fronting a heavy metal band, punk hardcore band called Relentless. That's taken me to places that I never, ever thought I'd ever get to. Um, not a lot traveling, but with a band as well. Um, on the side of that, I'm I'm a wedding celebrant. And I, um, yeah, Endless Story is about to get launched in um, pretty much exactly a month. So I'm just a, just a happy-go-lucky guy from Bondi Beach, I think, living my best life as much as I can. So talk to us about the band. How did that all start and talk about the lifestyle? Oh, so out of school, I was always a punk kid out of school. Um, when I was younger, I grew up on Pennywise and Lagwagon and um, Blink-182 and stuff. And then I think when I hit like year 12, I started listening to a bit of heavier music. And then from there, it kind of launched me into this whole this whole subculture of punk hardcore and I'd never even heard of it. And then I started going to shows in Sydney all the time, met so many other people. And through that, when I was at a show one day, someone was just, we became friends. It was like a little, little family community. And then we decided to start a band um, called Relentless. Most of us, uh, I was from the East. The other boys were out from, from Penrith way, Green Valley way. Um, so from the area and, um, yeah, we started it. No expectations of what was ever going to come from it. It was literally just, it gave us something to do on a weeknight where we could meet up and practice. And then on the weekends, we were able to get together and play some shows. It was just, it was pretty much a mixture of um, a release when we were playing live just to get rid of aggression and rage, anything built up and would leave there. It's like therapy. And then um, through the week, it was just a way to, to hang out to pass the time. But yeah. 15 years later, looking back on where the hell it went is actually mind-boggling now thinking about it. You've recently done a or worked alongside Rise Foundation. Yeah. Uh, Higgsy down there from Rubra, we've had him on and they do awesome work and you've worked alongside them doing a song and a kind of theme song for them. So obviously mental health is something you're very passionate about. Yeah. Give us your story and why you've kind of find you, found yourself so passionate for oh. that. Um. So pretty much with me, I... um. That was where the punk hardcore came in at such a young age. I was, um, I had never fitted in any, anywhere. 
as a young kid, I was a very skinny, scrawny little. I was never. I was good at sport, but I was never the big bloke that could would get picked for all the teams. Um, I was never the best surfer, never the best skater. I just got by. Um, I was always sometimes picked last with a lot of different things, and I was always on the outside and never found a place to connect and never planned a place to call my own. And then when I was introduced to punk hardcore music, um, I think that was the first time that I felt accepted as as if it felt like a place where I was on the same playing field with a lot of other like-minded people. But um, I think with me, I, I definitely suffer with a lot of anxiety. Um, I'm an overthinker. I um I have high strung ADHD with like lots of overthinking, lots of um like pretty much if 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 there was a, a relationship issue or something going on with work and I would receive a phone call in regards to it, before even answering I would be able to play in my head fifteen scenarios before that even happened. Um, which became my worst enemy really. Um that would feed into bringing in a lot of depression because I would cut everyone else off and I would shut myself off from the world and not being a part or connected to anyone else, I'd it bring in a lot of a lot of a lot of depression. But I pretty much just have I'm either I'm either up or down. The problem is with me is because I'm so energetic, it's either the highest of highs or the lowest of lows. That's just the way it is. Um and I guess over the years, I've just been lucky enough to, like I'm fortunate with myself to know how to deal with it. I know when I hit those points, I know what to do when I do hit those low points. I know who to be around, who to speak to. I know when I'm in my lowest of lows, what music to listen to, what part of my house I have to be in. Um, you know what I mean? Those type of things. So I'm fortunate enough that I can do that. Um, and then that was where it kind of launched me in close with with Pete. Uh, sorry, not Pete. Um, with with Higgsy with Ben, so we we both met at punk hardcore shows, probably a toe to toe show at the Manning Bar or something. And um, one thing that brought us together was um, we lost a per- well when I knew it was just a, a friend of mine that I knew from shows that was also a garbo around Coogee. And then it wasn't until Ben and I met up from that situation that I found out that it was one of Ben's best mates. And um, from losing Rat, he decided to launch Rise and. Um, him and I through that became really, really good friends and it's definitely helped me out. So my, my, I plateaued a lot. As soon as I had him as a mentor and, and, and almost like, a what do they call those people when you have alcoholism? Like he was like my sponsor. Like he was the one that I'd go to whenever I was in, 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 in bases of me in bad like head spaces or in places of need. I knew he was speed dial one. And, um, I think from that, definitely learning myself, learning about myself and the person I am, I was lucky enough to um, help other people. And then in this mental health industry right now, I've kind of just fallen headfirst into it. There was not, it wasn't like I was at school and I'm like, I'm going to become, actually one thing, if someone asked me 10 years ago, they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would, I'd love to be a youth worker. I'd always, if there was like a dream of me, I'd love to work with um, misfortunate kids or kids from abusive families that that don't know what it's like to be loved and need need a place to go to feel safe i'd love to do that kind of stuff so that might have a little bit to do with it but um yeah it was pretty much just i was traveling with a band i i although i'm quite a negative person i do like to give off a positive outcome and using the band to promote positivity through music through 
fitness through any any kind of thing and then yeah it kind of just went hand in hand with the mental health stuff and the worst thing is um i actually had to talk to my older brother the other day and he um after we lost two boys from bondi um within 24 hours of each other he actually pulled me aside and he's probably like 46 now something and he said to me i've never lost anyone to suicide and i was like well, you're very fortunate enough for that. He goes, I just never have. And he goes, but he, the problem is with me is I come from such a vast, like I've traveled the world four times. Um, I've My friend group is so big that, um, and my network that I'm so, that it's so well connected that I, I've lost so many just to like right now in the last, say exactly a year, there's been just over six to suicide in the last year 100 percent um yeah all three four of which no all of them two sorry uh four of which in the music scene two of which from the local bondo scene so yeah it's um and the other thing is the fact that being a 34 year old and dealing with it in no way does it get easier in no way do you adapt and become accustomed to it or like weathered to it but you do know what you you you've been through it, so I guess I'm not saying it gets easier, but living the experiences I have, I want to turn that back on to these kids. Like around Bondi, they're like 25, 26 year old kids just lost their first person to suicide, and it's not even a claim. But I can sit there with them face to face, being like, in the past five years, I've lost 15 to 20. So I can I know I could give I can kind of give the advice because I've been there, you know what I mean? And I guess to my it's it's the worst way to look at it, but if I can take that negative to a positive and the fact that I I know what it's like and I've been the lowest of lows and I've had the highest of highs to give the advice and to try and help people out as much as I can, then I think that's why I'm quite passionate about the the mental health industry right now and just to do whatever I can as much as I can, really. Trent, you I think you just answered it, but I'd like to sort of go in more depth about it. That video that went viral after the most recent suicide monitor, can you talk us through that? Talk us through why you felt the need to do it and talk to us about the response you got from it. Yeah, well, that was just, it was honestly like a spontaneous thing. So pretty much exactly, exactly, say 52 weeks in the year, maybe 50 weeks earlier, we lost a very young dude um, who had autism that was a very, like one of Relentless's biggest supporters in Sydney. In the middle of COVID, he was struggling. He had autism. He couldn't, he was doing Zoom calls with his therapist. He was had the wrong medication. He couldn't, and he took his own life. Going on, moving forward six months later, um, the beginning of this year, uh, uh, sorry, New Year's Eve, we lost a 17-year-old boy at Bondi. Two months on. Two, two months apart, we lost a bass player from a really close Perth band and a bass player from a band that we toured with. First band ever take Relentless to Europe. Their bass player took his own life. And then literally a month after that, two nights in a row, we lost two young boys, both both under the age of 30 in Bondi. And to me, that was like within six months. There was six in six months. And I was just, I was just heartbroken. And... um what I'd do is I'd go down the beach. The, the way I looked at it is I went down the beach every afternoon. The boys would be down at the park where one of the boys took his life and we had a big memorial set up there and we'd hang every day. Every day I'd go down there. I'd check in with all the boys, see them all there, give them a big hug, have a little chat. Just they'd, they'd let go of their emotions. I'd be caught up with them. 
And then what I'd do is I'd hold it all in. I sat there day after day. I'd sit there with the boys. I'd be breaking inside. It was a nuclear war zone inside, but I'd have the brave face. I put it on. I stood there for the boys, and I was like, I'm here for you. Bear it on me. Give me everything, and I'll, I'll support you through this. As soon as I'd leave them, I'd cry for about an hour and a half, two hours straight by myself. I'd go for a run, or I'd sit in my bedroom and cry. Until the third day, I called Higgsy. I was driving around having a panic attack. I couldn't breathe. I could barely talk to him. I was really wigging out. And he he questioned me. He goes, why are you doing this? I said, well, I go, these boys need me more than ever. They look up to me. I need a show face in front of them. I need to carry their burdens, carry their weight. I can't show weakness in front of them. I need them to know that I'm the support network that they need. But then when I leave them, I can let it all out. He goes, and I apologize. He goes, fuck that, man. He goes, why are you doing that? He goes, why don't you show them the real you? He goes, it'll make it easier for them to show them that if they're holding it in, because you're holding it in, they need to see the rawness and the realness behind you. And that was maybe Thursday afternoon that he did that. Friday afternoon, I went for a 45-minute run, cried the whole time, got home, sat on the couch, just pressed record, and whatever came out, came out. I was just, to lose, to lose like, especially in the Bondi, in, in five months in Bondi, one kid under 18 and three kids under 30 was just heartbreaking. Like these these kids, they they have not even seen life yet. They don't and, – and to know that they're hurting that much that they have to get out of it is just heartbreaking. So I literally did it unknowing of what would eventuate from it, but I literally just did it to show the boys around the area the real me. I literally just did it so that I posted it and all my friends that followed me would be, oh, wow, I can't believe it. Because I, after I did it, the boys actually hit me up and they said, thank you so much for posting it because they were doing the same thing. They messaged me and they said, Treno, I watched the thing and I cried all afternoon. The next day, I woke up the next morning. I felt shit, so I watched it again, made me cry again, and it was the best thing ever. And he goes, and that was why I did it. I did it for them, not even thinking about anything else. I was like, I need to look after my boys in my local community and show them what I'm going through and how real it is and don't hold it back. Lo and behold, three weeks later right now, it's had over 350,000 views. I've been getting messages from people in UK saying, this has reached me. I've had the worst week ever. I've watched this and it's kept me off the cliff. This is the thing I needed to get me through. I've been getting messages from countless like suicide awareness people and people in like, like Kelly Slater commented on the post, like it's hit him somewhere in Hawaii. Like it's absolutely mind boggling at what it did. But the one thing I definitely say to everyone is like, I hope it reached the people that it needed to reach. And by the sounds of it, it has. And if it keeps circulating, then you know what? I'm so glad I didn't. I wouldn't take it back for a second. I've actually not really, I don't even, I don't think I've even watched it again. Um, because I just did a one take. I don't even know what I said. I, I, I don't think I could watch it again right now. I'd probably break down, but yeah. So I just needed to get it. And the, like the weight that got off my chest from doing it, um, it was internally grateful, but yeah, I didn't expect it to do what it did. That's for sure. You just mentioned that you've lost quite a number of close friends to suicide, which is terrible. And I mean, no one should have to feel like you. And again, you mentioned that the only way out is to take their life. And on the other end of that, someone like you shouldn't have to be told that they've lost another friend. Yeah. And you say you try to share your experiences and turn a negative into a positive any way mm. you can and shine some light. 
What advice would you give to someone who's grieving, who's just lost a mate from suicide? What would you say to them? Yeah, so, well, from that side of you, talking to someone that's dealing with the grief, and the other thing is I've definitely been in scenarios where people have tried to give advice and they've used the wrong wording. Like, the way you got to look at it, and I definitely tell them, I'm like, the pain will go away. Sorry, the pain might not go away, but it will dampen. And it's not something that's going to happen overnight, but it will go away. It will lessen over the time. So all it is is you have to find things right now, and I don't want you to stop thinking about him because you need to think about him. The person you've lost, you need to work through it with them. They are the reason that you're feeling this way, so you need to work through it with them. Like a couple of the boys hit me up, and they were like, they're like, I just don't know what to do right now. And they're like, it hasn't really hit me yet, but – Oh, tomorrow morning it will. I said, good, because I know it will. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, call your other best mate because don't forget there's 20 of you. Not one person lost their best mate. 20 of you lost their best mate. So if you wake up tomorrow morning thinking, I don't know what I'm feeling right now because my best mate just hung himself, you're not the only one feeling that way. There's 19 other dudes that you have to call that morning and just talk to them because the two of you are going through the exact same thing. And you two are on the exact same wavelength. And no one else is feeling the way that you guys are. So you guys have to feed off each other. And you guys are the ones that are going to help each other get through it. You need to find things that will help you through in scenario. It could be like, oh, sorry, they even said that. And I said, I said, I don't know what to do. I said, well, do you know what you could do? I said, go talk to him. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, he's not here, but it doesn't mean you can't talk to him. You don't have to go talk to a person and tell them how you're feeling. You could go to the tree where your best mate hung himself by yourself any time of the day, any time of the evening, and tell James how you feel. You could tell that dude everything you couldn't tell him, everything that you wish you had told him. Go there and get it off your chest. One thing I did, we went and saw a viewing of one of the bodies. I wrote him a note. I needed so much that I wanted to tell him that I didn't get a chance to. And that was my goodbye. That was my version. I I wrote my note. No one else read it. No one else will ever read it. It probably got cremated with the body. And I left there being like, goodbye, mate. You knew everything I wanted to say to you. And I got it off my chest. Um, And that's that's definitely good advice. But just, just working with it, rolling with it, and being open about it. That's the thing. So people are worried that they have to open up to people. I'm not worried if you don't. As long as you're getting through it and getting it out, it doesn't matter what your release is. Writing it down. You could release. There's a lot of other people I've given advice to. Do a video like mine, but don't post it. Sit there in your bedroom. Cry to your phone because imagine you're talking to someone and record it and then keep that for yourself. Write a note. The person. Dear Joe Blogs. Dear the person that just, just, just lost their life. Write it to them. Address it to them. And then burn it. Keep it in top drawer. Throw it off the cliff. Do whatever you want to do. Like, you have to get it out. Whether or not you talk to yourself in the mirror, whether or not you write it down, record it, say it to a person. It doesn't matter. It has to get out. You cannot live with that. Everything that you've always wanted, in five years, after having dealing with depression for five years, you can't turn around and be like, all I've wanted to do was tell him I miss him. You can. He's not here. No one else has to hear it, but you can still tell him you miss him every Sunday when you walk past the park. Do it. Don't think it. Do it. Walk past. Look at the tree. Have a little tear. Tell him you miss him. 
It's the way to get it out. It's the healthiest way to do it. And that would probably be my only advice. Sorry, I'm getting a bit worked up now yelling and stuff. But yeah. That was uh, awesome. Yeah, thank you. No, that's good. And I'm just, just reimbursing that, I think as well, um, a couple of months ago, I lost a really close family member. I lost my grandma and she was the anchor of our family. You know yeah. what I mean? Obviously a different situation, but it rocked our whole family. Um, and I think with that, being with that and being with my family at the moment, at, at, at that time, sorry, I think the biggest thing was there's no easy way out of it. There's yeah. no, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to be sweet. And I think that for me helped me so much to go, mm. you know what? I'm going to have a shit couple of weeks. I'm going to be fucked for a couple of weeks, but that's something that I need to feel. You know what I mean? That's something that everyone needs to feel. They need to feel upset. You need to feel like that. You need to feel like, you know, you're, um, feel vulnerable. Yeah, everyone needs 100%. to feel vulnerable. Everyone needs to feel that way. And yeah. cause there's no easy way out of it. Like you start looking for easy way out of it. That's when it gets worse. Yeah. And the so other I thing think, is like, like she yeah. was the monarch of your family. So she was like the hierarchy. She was the, yeah, she was the anchor. And the other thing yeah. is you've got to ride the wave. Like this is. Yeah, 100%. Who knows how much longer a lot of other people's grievings might be a lot different than yours. Maybe people have like lost a lot of others so they can wake up the next morning and be like, I feel a little bit better, but other people won't feel a lot better or anything for a couple of weeks. But um, every everybody deals it in their own different ways. Yeah. And um, the other thing I reckon, and this is one thing I definitely want to get in the, the mental like the mental health industry right now and especially this is no one's not only the stigma of it but no one's informing people of what happens after like the main thing is you were talking about then you're like yeah you don't know this and that it's like some people will never get over it and there'll be triggers people don't understand this but in five years so there was another like this was not even a suicide thing but first year out of school i lost my best mate and he he drowned in Sydney Harbour the year out of school. The song that was played at his funeral, I didn't listen to six to seven years after. I couldn't listen to that song. There was no way. The second that song came on the radio, I'd either turn the car off, turn it off. There will be triggers. One thing we're not taught when we're growing up is, which if there was a thing to give advice to younger kids, they need to be taught that they need to normalize, not normalize like like depression and all this. So they need to normalize the pain of life that you're going to go through. You need to be told, like at a young age, you're going to be told you will bury your parents. I'm telling you right now, you will bury your parents. As long as, uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll bury your parents. Two, you're going to get broken up with. There's going to be relationships that are going to be torn apart. You're going to go out on a big bender one weekend, you're going to wake up the next day and you're going to feel absolute shit. You're going to hate yourself and it's going to be one of the lowest things. But the next day you're going to feel better. Like these are the things that... People don't understand. So when it's new to them and when they lose people, they're not accustomed to it. They're not ready for it. There's so much, there's so many things out there that you need to, you need to learn at a young age. That's like the normal things that, you know what I mean? When they lose someone, their their mum dies. It's like the end of the world comes. It's like, well, if you slowly, like the one thing you can't escape is death. You know what I mean? So um, you need, you need to accustom these young kids to, to, to almost not get ready for it because that's not a good way to look at it, but they need to know that these are life situations that will come. Some some will get it worse than others. Some will get it better than others, but there's so many things that will hit you. So if you almost think about it and turn it into a positive being like, who knows what's going to happen over the next little thing? I know this and that. And you just got to become like self-aware of these things that – so when they hit you, it's not like a ton of bricks. It's only a little bit of bricks, you know what I mean? That's pretty much what I'm trying to get across, I guess. 
Yeah, I think I think the I think you put it perfectly when you said you know ride the wave. Yeah, yeah. There's gonna there's, there's gonna be days where you think fuck I can't do this. There's gonna be days where oh it's better you know I'm over it. Yeah. And the next day it hits you so hard and you're going fuck like I'm not over it. Yeah. So I think what you just said then described it perfectly. You just got to ride the wave and I definitely go riding the wave. And be, be, yeah, yeah. And be okay with feeling shit. Yeah. Be okay with. with your emotions spiking and dropping, you know what I mean? Yeah. And be vulnerable. Be vulnerable with your mates. Yeah. One thing I said, one one bit of advice that I did, or not even advice, but one bit of like life lessons is the fact that, as I said, I got highs and lows and I've had some pretty dark days. But one thing I will say is for me and definitely for a lot of other people, hands down, the high of highs outweigh the low of lows. Doesn't matter how fucking shit you feel or how low you are or how dark the days are. You could have dark for like three weeks straight and then have the best weekend ever, two days against 26 or something. But I'm telling you right now, I'll take those two amazing days um, will outweigh my three weeks of darkness, hands down. You've just got to be ready for it. Yeah, it's always light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Within the uh, eastern suburbs, there's obviously a big drinking and drug culture. Yeah. Like this, we spoke just before the show. We want to be real and raw and just yeah. tell it up front and- we don't shy away from that. We want to be real and war. You know, we'll go out on the weekend. We'll yep. drink. You know, we'll have fun as well. Yep. What advice would you give? Obviously, you've grown up having your fun, yeah. doing all the kinds of things. You go out for a bender. You, you have a big weekend. Yep. You feel shit that next day. What advice would you give to someone who is struggling and they're kind of masking it through that, going out for a drink, going out to get on it? Well, another thing that's also hard is like back in the day and definitely in this, sorry to talk about it, but in the drug and alcohol culture, even the gambling culture is a big thing around the East. Um the the availability for the age the age demographic to back in the day when I was younger like the the substances that these kids are getting on I probably wouldn't have even seen till I was like mid twenties now these kids are like sixteen seventeens doing what they're doing and the problem is they're not accustomed to it and they don't know the effect of the of the after results so what they're doing is they're getting doing all these kinds of stuff whatever they're taking whatever they're getting on having the best nights ever. They're not being able to sleep or they'll wake up the next day and all their, um, just all their like melatonin or whatever the, the chemical imbalance is, is hit them so hard and they just don't know how to deal with it because all they've seen is they've seen all the older boys and all the older cultures deal with it and then have the best nights ever and then roll through, but they don't know the, the outcomes or the results of what they're doing. And that's definitely played a big part on it. I know for sure. They, they love the fun, but you've got to know that if you're going to do that, your next three days are going to be hell. So you same thing. You've got to know that you're going to have the best night ever, but the next three days are going to be hell. But you have to ride those three days. If you're going to have the big night out, you're going to have three shit days after. Once you get past those three days, you'll level back out. But the problem is they're not used to it. So they're hitting those three days. Day and a half in, they don't want to be here because they can't deal with it anymore. And so... I don't want to be a, like an education on drugs and that kind of stuff, but these they, they have to know that with every high comes a low. You can't keep even that's the way that's the way my um, personality is. If I'm if I'm having ten big, happy, positive, sporadic weeks, then I know I've got a crash coming. I just know I can't be that positive and high and happy and, and outgoing all the time. I've got something coming. So these kids need to know that if they're going to put whatever they're putting in their body and have this sporadic, amazing weekend, you got to know that the after effects and results um, are not going to be fun. But they will dissipate and, and wear off. 
but you have to be ready for it. And none of these, a lot of these kids just aren't. They're just doing it without even thinking. So it's definitely hitting them emotionally and physically, um, unaware of what they've just done. Yeah, no one ever, no one ever posts the come down, do they? No way. No. <laughs> no. The phone, they'll post the, 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 the party in the lasers, but they won't, they won't no post way. the come down. You go MIA for three days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that was a good point you made, mate, about the fact that you need to give them all the information. Mm. And like, because telling young kids don't do drugs, like, nah. it's just never going to be They're the going to do it. That's the yeah. thing. Back in the day, sorry, mum, back in the day when I used to drink, mum never bought us alcohol, but she'd rather me drink in her garage than in a park yeah. because a couple of my boys would throw up in the backyard and she would know that we're throwing up there. So she'd come down, is everyone all right? Yeah, yeah, mum, we're sweet. Whereas if, imagine you're out with the kids in the park, she just felt, she just gave us this, like, it wasn't like she was giving us a safe place to do it, but she wasn't saying don't do it. She would just like to do it in like a safe haven kind of thing. And that's the thing. If you say don't do drugs, kids, they're going to do it anyway. So inform them. Pretty much have like a table that says if you snort this thing, this is going to be what's going to happen the next day. If you take this pill, this is the thing that you're going to get. You're going to feel this down. You're going to feel depression will kick in, blah, blah, blah. But you're not going to be diagnosed with depression. You're just going to deal with depression for two days and it will go. But it's almost like they just say no, cut it off. And that's what makes the kids want to take it more. Whereas if you educated them with a more real understanding of what they're doing and showing them the outcomes of stuff, it, they'd probably still do it, but it would make them rethink when they were doing it or how much they were doing it for sure, I reckon. Or we'll understand. put it in context for them yeah. as well. Understand on that second day. Yeah, 100%. What um, you mentioned some before, but you know, you, we make, well, let's make this pretty specific for people in lockdown, people that have lost someone. What are three tips just to get on top of your day, get on top of your health that um, you would say? Right now, the hardest thing as well with the lockdown is the weather because back in the day, if it's in summer, you just go out and sit on the beach or you get out. But right now with the with the coldness and stuff, but um, my advice would be stay connected. Um, I reckon you. my advice is don't just call people, FaceTime them or Zoom them. You'll get a lot more out of it seeing their face. The human contact thing right now is really hurting a lot of people. So the fact that they still talk to people every day – it's not even like a sexual thing. It's just the interaction of being able to give someone a hug, give them a high five, slap them up, maybe just give them an up, like just tackle your mate. The human contact that is not here right now is really hurting. So the closest thing you can get right now would be a face-to-face Zoom or um, a FaceTime. At least do that to one person one day a week so you actually get a face-to-face thing. Because if you're not leaving the house all day, don't have a dog, don't have a reason to go for a walk and you're working from home, you're looking at a computer screen all day, you're not in an office where people are talking to or laughing at you or giggling or you hear stuff, you're shut off. So do once a day phone calls, at least get out of the house one day, uh, sorry, once once a day, whether or not it's just to walk around the block. Um, and if you are working from home on your computer, my advice is on your lunch break, rather than closing your computer and putting the Olympics on, either read a book or listen to music. Take your eyes away from a computer screen because the strain of that that it'll be doing to you is psychological for sure as well. Constantly just just addicted to the box, whether or not it's a computer or your phone or the, the, the Olympics or whatever you're watching at the time, you're going from one to another. So FaceTime someone, see some face-to-face stuff. Get out of the house. Even if it's freezing or raining, just get out of the house, stretch the legs. And um, uh, I forgot what the third one was anyway, but... 
What did I say? I think you've Come on, boys, tell me. <laughs> Can you read that back to me? <laughs> no, we had stay connected. Get out of the house and get away. Oh from yeah, the and sc- turn the screen off. Turn yeah, the screen yeah. Off, Listen yeah. to music or read a book. Hundred percent. Listen to this podcast. <laughs> and just mindful of time, but you're about to launch Endless Story come September. Mm. What's all that about? So Endless Story is something I've been playing with for a while now. It's just a street label, clothing label that I've always, I've always loved street culture. I've always been surfing, skating. I've always loved sneakers. I'm a big sneakerhead, um, <clears throat> and so I've always wanted to do something clothing related. Started to do play around with some designs, get some endless story stuff going for a label, and then out of nowhere, one of my good friends from Maruba, Ricky, took his own life, and it was just before Caesar Surf, so I decided to make a shirt that literally just said, um, "I fight for those who couldn't fight no more," and I put the endless story logo on it, and then I printed a bunch of them, and then it kind of it kind of developed into a bit of a a mental health um, awareness clothing thing as well. So right now. Um, September when it launches, it's a streetwear label with an essence of mental health awareness. Um, and right now I don't know what it is really. That's what it is. You'll get your first drop of a clothing label with some aspects of a few pieces of, I guess, I guess there will be mental health awareness. It's also just, it's a positive, it's a positive attitude, um, clothing label really. And in six months, I don't know what it will grow into or where it will go from there, but, Right now, that's pretty much all I'm doing. I've taken advantage of these two weeks off in lockdown to to launch the website and get all the stock underway. And um, yeah, who knows? We'll find out in six months what it, what it even eventuates to. But it could, mate. the The thing is, it's another platform. the 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 things are endless, so who knows what will come from it? But um, we'll see. Hopefully, good things. Trent, we want to take the time to thank you for coming on and joining us. It's been an awesome chat. Uh, we look forward to hopefully working together in the future when everything kind of opens up. And sure. uh, if people want to find you, Trentless on Instagram. Yeah, Trentless. Um, and then pretty much on there, I have links to everything, so everything's up in my profile. But um, yeah, the the main hub would just be find my my personal my personal um, Instagram page, and from there you can pretty much search out everything's comes from that hub. So everything to do with me is just related through there, I guess. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, mate. We really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, boys. Have a good day. Turn up the talk podcast, tackling mental health together.